0: Uh, my song will never end because he lives. That is powerful, uh, powerful reality for our lives. Uh, and so it's Halloween today, um, but I remember uh, being in Kosovo, uh, hearing about this thing called the Reformation Day that is also what October 31st has. Um, I remember sitting in a room thinking we were going to start uh, giving candy to the people in the room, and uh, next thing I know, we're talking about Martin Luther, nailing 95 theses to the wall and talking about faith and faith alone. Uh, October 31st, also Reformation Day, uh, <laughs> which is, which is uh, maybe, new, maybe you discovered that for the first time just now as well. Um, some exciting stuff. Uh, I love new life in the body. And so just a couple months ago, uh, we got to welcome Carson Vaughn, born to Brandon and Emily, uh, which is exciting. And, uh, and then also another little life, Winston Everett, born to Zach and uh, Cassie, which is very, very cool. Um, just new life in the body. Uh, we don't do baby baptisms, infant baptisms here instead. Uh, We celebrate child dedications uh, where parents, when they choose, come and reach out to someone at the office, and we get to pray over them as a family. We get to dedicate this sweet little life uh, to the Lord, uh, that someday this little life is going to have to choose Jesus for themselves. And, And so we love baby dedications where parents ask for prayer and support from our church family, as they raise their little baby. And then we, uh, I'm so thankful for our generosity as a family. Uh, we allocate resources to family ministry around here, to staff positions and then to experiences where we collectively uh, believe that we want to pass our faith on to our kids and our grandkids and how significant that is. So thank you for your generosity in allocating resources uh, to this church family in that way. And then something coming up that that I loved when I first got to Hillcrest, prayer, praise, and pie. This is a family moment uh, where we gather on November 21st, Sunday night, 6 p.m. here, and and just simply uh, thank God for his provision. Before we go to Thanksgiving and party and celebrate later that week with a big turkey and a lot of food, we pause uh, and just have a moment to thank God for his provision in our lives and, uh, and then um, eat some pie downstairs. Uh, so I hope you can make it to one of these family moments. It has been a highlight for me these past few years. So have you ever said this? Guess what? And, and maybe you had some news that you wanted to share, that you were extremely excited to share with someone in your life. Um... And, and, and as you thought about the person with whom you'd share it, you, you, you approached them and, and you were excited to share what was taking place in your life. And then it was met with uh, maybe an extended monologue that prevented you from actually ever sharing the news that you wanted to share. Um, or maybe it was met with you celebrating the success, um, met with, met with, Uh, all the areas where you still could grow. Uh, Maybe your parent gave you an extended monologue instead of celebrating with you on all the things that were taking place in your life or your spouse instead of success was met with all the areas you still had yet to grow. Uh, This week in James, feels like James is pressing us in this area And he keeps challenging us to grow in steadfastness, to demonstrate our faith. And he's got three incredibly practical areas for our life this week. It seems to me when we have that news we want to share, what are we hoping for? We want to be heard and we want to be understood. And when that's not taking place, What's an emotion that sometimes wells up in our hearts? (laughs) That anger starts to come out. James is saying this morning, we want to grow in the steadfastness of our faith. This is how we said it at the very beginning of his letter. Count it all joy, my brothers and sisters, to the church family. When you meet trials of various kinds, you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. And so this morning, this is where James is headed. He says this, Know this, my beloved, Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of a man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive With meekness, the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. Whenever any of these biblical writers start referencing my eternal destiny, I pay attention pretty quick. James has some real gritty practical issues for us in our day-to-day that is producing steadfastness in light of eternity. Here's what I think he's taking us. If our souls are to survive, but more than just survive and get through the day, actually thrive in this life, James directs us to cultivate a steadfast faith. James is full of commands. He's got like 55 commands in his letter. He's going to give us three of them this morning. A steadfast faith, trust God in all circumstances. So pray with me and we will dig in to the text this morning. God, we want this steadfast faith. We want to demonstrate our hope and our trust and our faith in you. Reveal to us this morning, we pray, your words and your truth through your servant and brother James. Always for your glory, we pray. Amen. Amen. So here's where he starts that if we are living steadfastly, we will, if we are living steadfastly, we will respond to difficulties in a non-anxious way. Here's what he says. Know this, my beloved brothers and sisters. This church family he's writing to as a pastor to the churches of the dispersion, he's writing to other Jewish Christians. Know this. Think rightly In order to live rightly, I always love that these biblical writers start there. Know this, believe this, think about this. And then what does he tell us? Let every person be quick to speak, slow to listen, slow to anger. And I go, where's conflict come from? When does conflict usually arise? And I know you guys know nothing about this because your relationships are all perfect. So let me give you a window into my life. Where does conflict come from? It's usually when I don't feel heard or I don't feel understood. It's usually when something's happening and I'm not feeling like I'm being listened to, that I'm not being heard and I'm not being understood. Here's what James tells us. Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. He says, know these three things that we should be quick to listen, quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. You know what usually happens in my life? I go, but I have insights for you. Don't you know that that the way I see life is actually the best way to live? Don't you know that I'm right? That I actually have the right way to live? And then I start going, well, why aren't they listening to me? Why aren't they seeing it the way I do? Why aren't they paying attention to me? Don't they know how smart these insights could be for their life? James says, be quick to listen, slow to speak. That produces a slowness to anger. And I think of my relationship with Casey. Usually, it goes something like this. I have some great insight, might have happened this week, that I want to have Casey understand my perspective. And rather than listening to where she might be coming from, I'm asking her to maybe understand where I'm coming from. Don't you see it from my lens? Don't you understand where I'm coming? And what that often feels like is this. Rather than being quick to hear slow to speak, and slow to anger, it comes out more as slow to listen, quick to speak, producing quick to anger. I don't know about you, I've never yelled my kids into obedience. I've never yelled them into doing it my way and seeing a heart change. Yeah, they they might inevitably end up brushing their teeth because dad is yelling at them Go brush your teeth right now for the fifth time. And they're over there like, oh, stinking me, I might even grab the toothbrush. But I don't yell them into obedience. You ever yelled someone into coming to faith? And just as bad, sometimes we think we're taking the higher road. Just as bad is the person that starts to sulk And they start start sulking, and and then you ask them, what's wrong? And they go, nothing. Nothing's wrong. They're trying to gain control through that passive-aggressive motion, but it's the same issue at heart. That anger starts to well up in our life. James tells us this. He says we ought to be slow to speak, quick to listen. Producing a slowness to anger. And I know you guys have no concept of this. This this is just me wrestling with this issue. And you might lead, you might walk away going, oh, you know, James, that is a wonderful tip for my life. That's a great, like, I can see, I can see the point you're making, James. I can see how that's a great practical tip for me. Because now, James, I understand that if I'm slow to speak, and I'm quick to listen, I understand. I'm following you, James. That if I start doing that, and I, and I make an occasional uh, affirming sound every once in a while, hmm yeah? Or maybe like a, 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 just a, a grunt in there, like, oh, oh, yeah, oh, that is hard. That is hard. That if I do that, James, I understand. Then, then they're gonna ask for my opinion and wanna see it my way, and then I can tell them how I'm right. I get it that if, you, if I play the game long enough and I give them some sense that I'm listening, then I can tell them my way of how I view things. But instead, James is about to go one step further rather than just a practical tip for our life. He says this is actually a profound, divine issue being manifest in our lives. He says this, for Know this, my beloved family, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For for what purpose? For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. That there's actually something being demonstrated in our life through this action. That our faith is actually being made manifest in the way we respond. That the anger of the man wants to be Right? The anger of a man wells up, and I want you to know how right I am. I want you to know how great my insights are. And yet that isn't the rightness of God. It's not the righteousness of God being manifest in those moments. Instead, James says, may we be slow, slow to speak, quick, quick to listen that actually then produces a slowness to anger. But how? How might I actually respond in those moments with that type of attitude? Because if you're anything like me, it just starts bubbling up. I can only take it so long before I go, your incompetence is driving me nuts. (laughs) Hypothetically. (laughs) How How long? How long do you let it go? How do you actually see this start to manifest in your life? How do we respond to difficulties with this non-anxious presence? My mind first goes here. Jesus endured the cross. What was his right to be angry? Of all the people, the most innocent life, what was his right to be angry? And yet, while we were yet sinners, Christ died For us, how deep, how deep is my forgiveness? How deep do I see the layers of what has been forgiven of my trespasses? And how deep is my sin? Am I constantly thinking about the plank to take out in someone else's eye and the speck in mine? Oh no, it's actually the other way around, Jesus says. Am I thinking about the speck when there's a plank in my eye, how deep is my sin? Are we mirror living or are we window living? Am I looking at my own brokenness? How do I respond with this way that James is describing because it seems so foreign to me? And might I share with a trusted friend my room to grow? Might I invite someone into my own challenges and limitations? Where, <laughs> where I might go get in a conversation with Casey And she ends up leaving going, fine, you're right, David. And I go, yes, 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 I'm right, I'm right, I'm right. Someone goes, where's Casey? I don't know, but I'm right. I don't know if that's winning. Shared with a trusted friend, room to grow. Because God has something for us in the trial. As we trust his grace and his timing. That he is doing a work in our lives. We trust that he has something for us. And then, convinced that God will reconcile and settle all issues far better than I ever could. James says, the steadfast person trusts God in all circumstances, leading us to respond in difficulties in a non-anxious way. And we no longer look for our joy in the immediate pleasures of this world is the second way he manifests this steadfast life. Here's what he says. Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, if we're living this, let's just go one more day. He's already smacked us in the face. He's like, man, just let's go one more layer deeper. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness. Put away. If I had a full zip jacket rather than a quarter zip, what does he mean? Put away? Just take it off. Put, put it off of your life. Take it off and move on, right? Put away. No longer look for our joys in the immediate pleasures of this world. Uh, and it's a hard shift because often we fight against the temptations and evil. And is that true? Yes. I was struck by this reality of where he's going to go next. We're sitting about to go into the OR for KCC section, and the doctor said, hey, we need you to put these new clothes on. You need to put off your clothes, your old clothes, and put these new clothes on. And I might be tempted to say, why? I like these clothes. Why, 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 do, you, why do you want me to take these off? These are nice clothes. Until we believe that what we're entering into is better than what we're leaving, right? That I actually want to be in the OR taking selfies with the doctors and and Eden. And so I'm willing, more than willing, I step into, I happily put those old clothes off and put them in a bag because I'm so excited about what we're entering into. Here's what he says, Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness. What is he saying? He's saying act like you have a new heart. Act in a way that reflects the radical shift that's taken place in your life. He told us last week about the implanted word, act as a way that your heart has been changed. And then he goes one more layer about what this steadfast faith that trusts God in all circumstances looks like. He says, embrace the word of God as the authoritative guide for your life. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive, and receive. What does that mean? To put in, to receive it, to put it in. And yet he says something so interesting here that almost feels counterintuitive because what did he tell us last week? God put this in our hearts. Apart from any work you could do, God implanted his word in your life. And here he says, receive the implanted word. How do you receive something you already have? Because last week he said this, of his own will, apart from our work, anything we could have done, filthy rags before him, he brought us forth by his word of truth that he implanted in us. So, how do you receive something that you already have? And I'm sitting there going, What's that look like? How do you receive something you already have? And I was reminded of a guy named E.T., the hip hop preacher. Does that name mean anything to anybody? I remember hearing this guy in college, and I think again, I think he's got a background in faith. Inspirational speaker has this story that, that resonates. He talks about a guy that comes to him and says, E.T., you want to be successful? He says, you know I do. He says, okay. Comes back a week later, E.T., you want to be successful? He says, you know I do. Okay, meet me at the beach at 6 a.m. So he dresses up. He gets there, 6 a.m., he's in his suit. He's got his nice tie, his clean dress shoes on. He's standing there in the sand, and and the guy that was speaking to him is already out in the ocean. He starts calling him out. He's like, "What, what do you want me to do? we are gonna suit. What are going out in the ocean? I'm in a suit." He goes, "Do you want me to be successful?" It's like, "Okay." So he starts walking out there, and he's standing there. Now they're here. He says, like, "Come a little further, okay?" Comes a little further. Now the water's a little higher. He's standing there. He says, "Do you want to be successful?" He says, "Yes, you know I do." So the guy shoves his head under the water. <laughs> he's flailing. He's fighting. He pulls him back up. He's catching his breath. And he shoves them back down in the water. He's over like, there, just flailing, just flailing. He says, "Et, do you want to be successful? You know I do. Do you want success the way you want air? The way you want to breathe? The way you are fighting for air?" James says, "Receive." the implanted word how do you receive something you have does it feel like you want the word the way you want air does it feel like you fight to experience more of god through us, where we have the gospel and yet we can't hear enough of the gospel or do we plug our nose and wait till next sunday to hear more of the word or do we hear I want to fight for more air. I want to fight to experience more of what I already have. I want to put the implanted word, I want to receive it how? How does he say? Receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Do I come to the text, do I come to the gospel and I say, Yeah, you know, I don't like those parts. Those parts make me feel uncomfortable. I'd prefer not to deal with that. Or do we come with a learner's heart with meekness to receive this authoritative guide for our life to try and anchor our life? Not because we want us to study the Bible book, but the person that's revealed in these words, the person of Jesus, which is able to save our souls. Do we come as beggars that have found some food, and we just want to experience more and more and share it with everyone we can? So. Here's some takeaways, I think, that James is pressing us with. In this whole first section, from verse 1 to 25, he is relentless. Where are we being tested? Where are we experiencing that trial, that suffering, that test that actually produces steadfastness? Where is that? What might that be for us this week? James seems to say, maybe it's pointed at when we begin to get angry. And so, what might I do? And here's here's where the macro frustrations, I hope, meet the micro. Because we at Hillcrest want to be a people helping people find life with Jesus. One life at a time. Where this conflict, where I'm not feeling listened to and heard, how might I, as James says it, demonstrate my faith and be quick to listen, where I stay curious. I stay curious about the situations and circumstances in the lives of those around us, and that we're slow to speak. I love two books. One, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. A man forced against his will is of the same opinion still. I want to will my kids into obedience, and yet, has their heart really changed? Instead, James is offering a different solution. I'm slow to speak, and I seek to understand. I believe you have a point of view. Help me understand it. That would lead me to being slow to anger. That if we listen and learn, James says, we will be less angry, producing (laughs) this lost art of listening. But more than that, James says, demonstrating that we treasure Jesus above anything else this life has to offer. When I begin to get angry, and James says to put off and to put in. And so for you this week, where are you looking for your joys and the immediate pleasures of this world? I don't mean to put my sins on you, but I... I figured I would share where this was coming to bear in my life this week. Where am I looking for joy in the media? Where are we looking for joy in the media? See, is it control? (laughs) That I need to run this and no one else can quite do it like me. Do you understand the insights I bring? Are we vying for control? Or is it entitlement? Did I deserve this? I mean, this is what I deserve. I'm entitled to X, Y, or Z. Where are you looking for immediate pleasures in this world? Is it our reputation? Is that I need to be seen as more important or good in other people's eyes? And so, I'm quick to speak. I need to tell you all the ways that I'm good. I need you to be quick to listen to me so I can demonstrate again how right and how good my insights are. Or, are we willing to put our reputation on pause for the sake of being quick to listen and slow to speak? Or my insecurities, where I don't want people to know blank about my life, or I keep telling myself I am not good enough at blank. Instead, as someone maybe shares an insight, like Casey might do in my life, I sit long enough to listen and hear where she might be right, and then proceed to give her the litany of all the ways she's wrong. No, 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 we don't do that. Instead, do I sit and listen long enough to hear where she might be helping me grow, to help treasure Jesus a little more fully? And do we put in, do we receive the word? Are we receiving the word? And if I'm holding my nose and I'm not catching my breath and letting the oxygen fill my lungs and I'm not fighting for air this week, do I repent when I forget? Do I trust that God is working in my life? I was rereading some of Wayne Grudem's Systematic and God is a God of process. He took six days to form the world Could have done it in a snap of his fingers, right? Genesis 3 tells us of a promise of a coming Savior, yet that Savior didn't show up for 2,000 years. God is not slow as some count slow, but he is a God who loves process. And I was struck by this just in that same vein. If you're sitting here and you've yet to treasure Jesus... (laughs) And you hear these words and you go, okay, there's some cool, practical, tactical things I can take away. I should be quick to listen. And I'm going to do that better so that I can ultimately prove to whoever I'm talking to that I'm right. No! Quick to listen. And yet what I love, if you've yet to treasure Jesus, there's something about the way Jesus showed up that Christians lean into and long for. He didn't show up with a megaphone, holding rallies, declaring truth from a platform, with a TV that showed all the ways he is right. Instead, how did he show up? It's wrecked me. The wonder of Christmas. That our greatest need showed up while we were at centers, angry at him, and he shows up as a baby that doesn't speak. (laughs) What? For 30 years, we don't get to know all that was taking place that we could assume, and yet Jesus shows up to understand and to listen, to listen to the pain, to listen to the hurt, and then begins to offer A better way. It says, I know your pain, I know your hurt. And yet I'm offering myself as a way to reconcile you to the Father. Through faith in me. Jesus shows up as a baby. God's plan is to be slow to speak. Quick to listen. And may we at Hillcrest manifest our faith this week a little more fully. Pray with me. God, you're so good. Oh man, we need more of you and less of us. Fill us more with your spirit, God. We need these truths to be steadfast in our faith. Grow us. Whatever situation we might be tempted to to pour out all our anger. Help us experience more of you this week and your grace and patience in our lives. Always for your glory, we pray. Amen.